Why, hello everyone. I'm Ashley. Hey, what's good, y'all? I'm Elston. And welcome to our podcast, Speaking, Speaking Our, our language. language. Oh, that, that sounded good, if I can say so myself. It did. You know, I'll have to be in alignment on that one. Okay, okay. But since Ash always wanted to put my business out there, Ash, okay. why don't you go ahead and... No, 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 no. Why don't you go ahead and tell them that you got into drum roll? I got into NYU, everyone. No, hold on. Not just NYU, the Gallatin School. Like, she yes. has her own personalized program. Like, oh, my, my bad. Yes. You go ahead. Take it away. Yes, yes, yes. What Elston said. I got into the Gallatin School of Individualized Studies, where I'll be creating my own master's program um, with interdisciplinaries focused on social change, race and ethnicity, journalism, and media studies. Don't really know what all of that will look like. I think those are just all the areas in which I was passionate about. I think this program would really allow for me to dive deeper into the social change that I really want to be want to be making in the community and for future generations so I'm excited and also another exciting news my birthday was this past Sunday and I had so much fun thank you for everyone who wished me happy birthday and if you didn't I still you know know that you meant it you know deep down inside um but that's what's happening with me <laughs> Elston <laughs> how are you doing nothing is new really I've been chilling um recently I don't know it is quarantine it's like I'm not super happy but i'm also not super low i just feel like i'm existing like i'm just like uh i'm here so that's kind of been like interesting my, i think my dad picked up on it and he kind of was like hey you got dreams you got goals that you're trying to achieve you can't you're not going to achieve them like this so he's been making me write my goals down every night for the next day and trying to get me into this habit and you know just help me back get up on my discipline so I feel I'm feeling pretty ambitious now. That's shout yeah. Shout out to Dad. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be if we didn't do a little recap on this first episode we dropped last week? Like, oh my gosh, this thing is real. We did it. Thank you to everyone who listened, everyone who shared, supported, commented. You know, texted us, called us. Reposted, you know, voice memos, us, yeah, everything you facts. did. Thank you so much. You know, this is just the beginning, and it feels really good to like have navigating our blackness be the first part. And you know, what would it be if we didn't create more space to talk about this topic because it's such an important and like necessary conversation that needs to be had. So that's why you know we had to do a part two this week, which is so exciting. Nah, like episode one really surpassed our expectations. Like we didn't even think that it was gonna turn out like that. But in reviewing it, Ash and I really thought that, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were highlighting black experiences also at the margin, at the intersections, because it's speaking our language. And we wanted to make a space for that. So, you know, we brought up George Floyd and Tamir Rice and Trayvon Martin. We didn't really touch on Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade and Oluwatoyin. So we wanted to just make sure that we were giving a space for black people to express their full identity. And not just like, oh, this is my blackness, but understand that our blackness is also informed by the other identities we hold. So we kind of wanted to open that conversation up with a question. Focused around what it is that you wish other black people knew or understood about how you choose to navigate your own blackness. And to do that, we decided to reach out to some people individually. And we also are here to share our experiences alongside some other people to give you guys just a holistic view of, you know, what that looks like. Well, Ash, go ahead and then share what is one thing. <sighs> don't do not do that. Don't do I that. I was hoping you could go first. No, don't do that. <laughs> What's one thing you wish black men understood of your experience as a black woman or just black people in general for that, for that matter? Like, what do you wish black people understood about the experience of a black woman? I think I want to take um, 
the first question for 500. I'm crying. Also, <laughs> no way. <laughs> no, but <laughs> yes, one thing. I don't, I don't think one thing is like enough. Oh, you got a lot to say. You was waiting for this week, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did, but I was trying to like put them all into like one cohesive point, which I don't know if this is going to come out right, but that's what speaking our language is for, right? So one thing I wish black men understood better is kind of like the way in which black women carry all the time, whether that be, you know, having to be the main emotional support system for so many people to, you know, again, walk into workspaces and have to fall into the category of the angry black woman to have to maybe be the financial leader, to have to be the decision maker, to not have someone that you can rely on on a regular basis due to things that may have happened in the past but like you're carrying all of this being the leader who like brings your whole family to christ or is like trying to instill those values like there's just a lot of things that as a black woman we carry on top of supporting and uplifting on a regular basis black men regardless of what the circumstances are not regardless because there's some some circumstances that we do not be bugging with it but for most things we are their main go-to person and it's a lot on top of trying to make space and time for yourself so for me i think we carry a load we may put a smile on our face we may look like we got everything together we usually try to but it's like you have you ever seen the analogy of you know a duck or a swan on a lake and it's like on the surface they look you know they look good but then when you look under the water their their legs are paddling like fast as hell like you know trying to stay afloat and I feel like that's what a lot of black women experience so that's what I would want black men to understand it's like we carry a lot and we just want you to take on a little bit you know or to do your part like your part make sure I emphasize that okay all right I hear you so here's here's my follow-up question to that it's good to have a conversation but I think it's also give you like point certain things out so like if people want to take you know some tangibles like what are some things that black men do that kind of like demonstrate like, oh, you say you understand that black women go through a lot, but then you really don't because like your actions say it different. I think in regards, I would say one that's I very prevalent for me is like the emotional capacity black men have. Like a lot of black men aren't even in touch with their own emotions. So when it comes to like acknowledging or embracing the emotions of a black woman of children you know of family members that seems to tend to fall on black women to have to be that support system because a lot of black men not saying all but some that i've come in contact with aren't in tune with their emotions which then makes it harder to have breakthrough as a whole entire you know group of people while we are going and trying to break generational, you know, cycles of, you know, black men being told to, you know, don't cry and don't do these different things. I think it also falls again on the black men to take ownership of I want to be better. I want to show up and I want to acknowledge my experiences because they're obviously taking a toll on the life I'm living and the people around me and like owning that and trying to navigate that space instead of trying to push it to the side and then again the black women and people in your lives face the consequences of you not acknowledging like and not getting in tune with your emotions so that's definitely one i can do more but that will take all day <laughs> yikes um unfortunately i'm gonna have to agree with you on that one i definitely can actually you know what before i even get into like my own take of my emotions 
Um, let's hear from a friend of the podcast who so eloquently explains like emotions and maybe maybe the lack thereof. So when I mentioned that I feel like niggas don't understand emotions, I was talking in the sense that I feel like, you know, like we all go through things like we have good days we have bad days sometimes are better than others but in order the best way to like heal yourself is like you really just have to go through and feel every emotion rather than going through those emotions niggas just numb themselves and rather just not feel and i feel like that that's where the disconnect is where you know you have people which i feel like women we really like feel our emotions and then you know niggas it's just like oh i'm just gonna be numb to it i can't say that i have not been a proponent of that, you know, I definitely, I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't even knew that, I didn't know I had emotions until I got to college, like, of course I knew I had emotions, but I never addressed them until college, like, for me, it was always like, go, 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 I was always on, I was always on go mode, you know, like, I never really stopped to really address my emotions, and then, it wasn't until I got to college, I started to see how that affected me, but I also realized that, you know, I learned it from, in a way, like, my dad, like, not really, like, I know how to, like, show up and be present, and Sometimes being nice isn't the same thing as being empathetic. And I think that's one thing that I had to learn, like how to really empathize. Because if you're out of touch with your own emotions, sometimes it's hard to be in touch with other people's emotions. So it's like, I see where you're coming from, but I don't understand where you're coming from. But just because I don't understand where you're coming from doesn't mean that I can't, you know, support you and stuff like that. So that's the place that I had to really grow and really comes like, like really work on my own emotional. No, and I totally can understand um, and see how, that can really alter your experience in regards of interacting with black women and how, you know, that's a constant journey that you're embarking on to really try and improve and really figure out how to empathize since you spent so much of your life not really acknowledging or noticing that. So with that being said, and that point being brought to the light, Elston, how do you feel like answering? Or it's, I think it's time for you to answer. just just tell me what to do (laughs) go ahead (laughs) what is one thing you wish black women or you know black people understood about your experience as a black man um you know i think that it's an interesting spot to be in like an interesting identity to hold i think i can't speak necessarily for everybody but i think right now especially in this climate one thing about just being a black man now is having to really come to gripes with that like and it's like, black women have been saying this for, forever, right? That black men, you have privilege just by being a man. Mm. But I think now, trying to Can you say it really, again for the people in the back? <laughs> black men, we have privileges, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, like, we're black, and, like, that comes with its own separate issues. But at the end of the day, we're still men. I think we're able to assert that identity to gain power and privilege. Um, so with that thing right now... Men are definitely realizing that, but black men are just like, okay, I'm realizing it, I'm understanding it. How do I work this? Like, how do I do better? How do I understand? Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like sometimes it's hard to understand, like, what to do, what can be done. Um, Just within that, I think sometimes we're just, like, constantly learning how to, like, maneuver through these multiple identities. As black men, unfortunately, black women have been doing the work, but we're we're unlearning at such a fast rate and we're trying to do it. So sometimes, you know, we, we, like, we're cautious. We don't want to say the wrong things. We don't want to do the wrong things. And I feel like sometimes it comes off as if we don't care. But I think it's really, it's not really that. I think it's just like, we just don't know. Like, we don't ever want to like trigger anyone or like, you know, say something like that's out of like offensive. So I think while it's not like you can do anything about that, I think it's just understanding that like 
I'm not saying this to say, oh, we want like, you know, grace and patience. I'm just saying like, this is just the reality. It doesn't make it right, but it just makes it what it is. You know, and it's like, I feel like I want to challenge you on that because I just feel as though the patience has always been for black men. Like, I feel like black women have given so much patience and invested so much time into trying to uplift, support, educate black men to where it's kind of like, yes, now, like with social media and the rate in which people are getting called out upon things like it is coming off harsher because we damn near tired. We're, you know, we done been doing this for so long to where, yes, we may not. No, nah, that's that's facts. Like rightfully so, I get you. Yeah, and I mean, and you know, that doesn't disregard the fact that you, the people, the men that are trying, should you know have grace um, to us should have grace. They deserve grace for that, you know, because you are trying, and it's a lot that you're unlearning. I think I'm not, I'm not speaking solely for myself. I think again, going back to like we all come to consciousness and awareness at different levels. So I think that I was like I became first aware of this around like my freshman year in college where my cousin was really talking to me about misogynoir and just saying like, okay, you're a black male, you have privilege. Then breaking it down for me to start seeing the actual ways that, that was happening. Whether it's not, you know, it's like material, but just the way you can leverage power in ways that black women cannot. So I think now it's different. I think one thing that you said that like I feel like kind of correlates to what one of the comments we received from the R. Kindle who said that I am the most visible, invisible person in the room being a black woman. And I feel as though that goes unrecognized sometimes in regards of black men not really acknowledging them their privilege because when black men usually hear that, they get defensive and they're like, well, you know, we have it rough too. But it's like, no, no, no. Like... We're not disregarding your experience, but you have a privilege that we don't have, you know, like. Not exactly. Even the privilege of like visibility, like you said before, it's not to be material, right? But the fact that you get public media, you get attention, you get. Wow, that was beautiful. That was great. Like you're able to be seen (laughs) like that in itself is something like to be seen. And while, you know, in like. The ways in which we're being seen isn't always like the way black men are being seen isn't always positive. That's facts. That's facts. Not always in a um, uplifting. It's usually in a tragedy way in which you black men can be shown or seen um, or perpetuated. But again, black women are barely even being seen or acknowledged. That goes to show that like there are you know there is privilege within being a black man. You know, not negating your struggles, but you do have privilege and you do hold weight. So that's I'm in alignment on the fact that black men have privilege. And I think even to that, like, you know, there's other ways just not like let's talk about gender pay gap along with like the rest. You know, I'm saying the racial pay gap. So if you conflate those two is like black women are getting paid how much less than men, period. Right. But then also black women are getting paid less than black men on every dollar. I don't have the statistics, but you know, I, I know that to be true. And then on top of that, look at the infant mortality yeah. rate. Like black women have the sole responsibility of bringing life into the world, but they're dying at disproportionate mm-hmm. rates. So that's an experience that we'll never be able to understand. So I think that, like you said, like it's not to disregard, mm-hmm. but it's to say like, hey, I'm also struggling too. Like I also have my own thing. And like, and like while I'm supporting you, I don't feel like you're supporting me necessarily. Cause like you're not even a, 
you're not even like the world you're not has, even like, aware of what the struggles you're not even I experience. yeah exactly the world has enveloped you so much that you don't even have like, you don't even have to be aware of my situation but to live in this world i have to be i'm made be aware, aware of your situation of your situations yes yeah, like, exactly <laughs> mm, look so you can see why the grace is a little thin over here okay <laughs> <laughs> right and, and yo and fellas like i'm not saying like you know what I'm saying? You this disclaimer. This is not a thing like, oh yeah, you need grace because you're learning. Like, no, keep doing the work. When you're doing the work, put your head down and make sure you just get it done. Like, you don't keep looking like, up to know, make sure. What, what is that? Hey, I'm not getting awarded like, for that. Yeah, like not everything. Like, you need an, a pat on the back. Right. Um, like, you're not. You're not. You're not going. You're not going to think of fish doing. for swimming. Like, like we shouldn't be having supposed to, to do know? that. Like, I said it. I said. I said it last episode. That has always been your job. Like, it's nothing new. Like, baby, welcome to the party. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you come on now. But um, the very first comment yeah. that was made on our page under the question um, was by <laughs> Devin Adrian. And he said, my sexuality doesn't cancel out my blackness. Uh, to be more precise and clear on the statement, my sexuality does not now define my blackness and who I am. Oftentimes I feel within the black community, the moment we hear that someone is gay and or trans and or other, we automatically assume that that is now that person's full identity without realizing that they still have to work five times as hard just as everyone else. They still will be treated unequally just based off of the color of their skin. And they still have to fight and climb the same mountains that other black cisgender Americans have to climb in America. Yes. So I think everything that Devin said was spot on. We have to stop for ourselves and for our own people, like trying to separate what makes a person who they are. You may identify as a black woman. You may identify as a black man. You may identify as black transgender, whatever you identify as. We have to stop trying to pick them apart. At the end of the day, you are black. Your experience will still be tied to the color of your skin regardless. So we as a community need to accept and acknowledge these differences and all of these intersectionalities and become educated to uplift, continue to uplift and empower everyone within our community. And I think on top of like beyond just like uplifting and empowering, it's also like fighting for too. Cause I think, you know, a lot of the sentiments yes. are the fact that, oh, because, um, you know, like, hey, let's fight for black power like you're like you speaking about your experience is taking away from the revolution or away from the movement but it's like no actually it's not because again going back to the these mm -hmm. systems are so interconnected that you and like history has always been like you know there's like mm -hmm. trickle down economics like okay let, let let black men get their get all their rights they deserve first and then we're going to redistribute the privilege and the power and it's like no we have to tear down all of it so we no, have we to, tear to be down, fighting for everyone right we have to tear down we have to tear down, like the capitalism the patriarchy we have to, you know, kill down like the heteronormative values that's in, within the society. It's like there's so many things that it, you, you can't just wait for one system because they're all interconnected. They all play roles within each other. And like that's works on us because like now we have to identify ourselves as I'm black, I'm this, I'm this. We have to also then break ourselves down. Where we have to, we, we need mm -hmm. to be operating as whole beings. Yes, you know what I'm yes. This deserves snaps because this, we dropping gems all <laughs> up in here today. Yo, you're crazy. Ooh, actually, no, I can't say. That's actually that's actually very problematic because that's like you know mental health. So put that part Don't out. Don't be trying to call me crazy, Elson. Don't be trying to call me I crazy. I am weak. I give the people um, what they want and they love what I'm giving them. Okay, <laughs> but no, let's switch gears to a few more topics that we definitely wanted to touch on um, before this episode wraps. So 
Elson, what are you feeling? Do you think we should talk about next a little bit of light skin, dark skin? Or do you think we should talk about like generalizations and media? Um, I'm going to take light skin, dark skin for 500. So <laughs> let's go ahead and <laughs> jump on that topic. All right. Let's let's dive into this real quick for the people. So, Elson, how do you feel about this light skin, dark skin conversation? Like, What is your experience tied to that? If there is one. I'm going to keep it a bug with you. I Growing up, I really didn't think that much of skin tone. Like, Of course, you noticed it, but I didn't know the implication of it. It wasn't until I got to high school, freshman year, um, I watched this like, light skin versus dark skin documentary on Worldstar. And after that, it was like kind of like Eve like eating the apple. Like I was like, whoa. Then I started looking at my skin tone, looking at other people's skin tones, and you know, just kind of seeing like, oh, light skin, dark skin, this. And then at that time, too, you have Facebook parties, light skin versus dark skins. You have... You know who's prettier, Kelly Rowland or Lauren London, and then just people. You know, even with the handles, light skin Tay, or you know, what I'm saying people were really taking these as like so inherent to their character. It just became, you know, just the world that I was looking at, and I think I just started seeing things in that manner. So for me, I think that was kind of my experience. I went from mm. like not really recognizing it to then being like, yo, it's it's everywhere around me, and you can't really escape it. So I think that was really my experience, and just. Yeah, at, the, at that point, I thought like uh, if you're pretty, you're pretty. It don't really matter about that, you know. But what, what, what has like what's your experience been with like, especially as a black woman, with like this whole light skin, dark skin debacle? You know, it's it's been a journey of you know finding love and you know contentment in the skin and hair and person I was born to be. I wasn't always as happy or content as I am now it definitely took a long time you know growing up elementary school I n- noticed the difference like there's a difference in the way that we look like you see the color change but you still I just see you as a kid until you see like oh you're getting special treatment kind of for because of your skin complexion right. which was something you know and I think we all experience that in different ways how did that, that make you feel it you know it bothered and me and made feel me about your skin tone? look at myself as like there was something wrong you know, and then growing up and having like a brother and having different friends, like male friends, like you can just see what their preference were. And a lot of their preferences were geared towards lighter skinned women. And I'll never forget on my 21st birthday, I went to Vegas with two of my friends and one was light skinned and one was dark skinned. And they're both were, are just so beautiful people. Um, and I just remember getting all these comments and like DMs and even texts of like, who's the light skinned one? Like, who's the light-skinned one? Like, what's the light-skinned one's, like, information? What's her Instagram? And it's just, like, what's wrong with the dark-skinned one? I get, like, you have preferences, but it's, like, these are the men that I consider close. And it's just, like, or some that were just acquaintances. And it was just, like, you guys really only want, you know, someone who looks foreign or is of a lighter complexion. And you want to always ask, what does she mix with? Well, she's just black. <laughs> and that goes back to a convo that me and Ash had earlier. Because you asked me, like, what do I think about preferences? So here's my take on it. Like, if you everybody got their type, but if someone falls outside your type, you should at least still be able to acknowledge their beauty. But if you feel like anyone out your, outside of your type is just really just like, yo, you start saying they're ugly or demeaning them, or you could just you could just never date like generalizations. You can never date anyone that's this. I feel like that's problematic. But then I think also what adds to that too is that people always forget the historical aspect. Like, there's a historical aspect behind 
the preference of light skin over dark skin. So while you may think that's just a personal thing, there is still a, a gravity to it that we can't overlook. So I feel like if you just say, oh yeah, but my preference is just light skin, it's just like, my brother, come into the, into the history class because we need to break this down. Like, we got to talk about this yes. more. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And I think, you know, that this con- we can go on for hours and hours about this, but we just wanted to, you know, to say, just what Elson said. Like, Light skin is not a prerequisite for pretty. And just because you're dark skin don't mean you ugly. Exactly. So we got to, we have to really get rid of that notion. And we have to also make sure the way we teach our kids, our children, the black youth, to break down those notions because they shouldn't have to struggle with and that. And to just acknowledge that they are beautiful. And I think that we are doing that a lot more with this generation than our generation growing up, which is a good foundation. But we can't stop here. Like, we have to continue to educate and uplift and call one another beautiful no matter what your hair texture is. There's no good hair, bad hair. Like, everyone is beautiful in the skin they were born into so that's definitely like our main takeaway from this um conversation while there it may still be hurt and different things weighing on people you know we need to approach you know the way in which we interact and look at each other with love and grace because not self-hate is really real no seriously self-hate is real i am totally in alignment with elson's comment but that leads me to our next point of you know acknowledging where improvements can be made and how can we do that without acknowledging generalizations that have been brought upon the black community aka black men don't cheat aka faithful black men aka all niggas ain't shit slash all women ain't shit um that was a lot of aka's (laughs) you would know you really in your bag like also known as also known as also known as like just tell me what it is like just let me know what's up like all right, so like, you know what? Let's hop into it. <sighs> Where do I start? Where do I start? On the, on the on the conversation of faithful black men and black men don't cheat, I think black men don't cheat came first, right? And then it turns to faithful black men. I see what was being done, right? But I think the problem is that it served to like kind of gas, not even kind of, it served to gaslight black women. Even if that wasn't the main intention, that's what it was doing. Because it's like, you have known do you want to explain what gaslighting is just for people who may not know all right i don't got a dictionary nearby but this is the elston version gaslighting is just making someone feel like <laughs> what they said is not has no value or invalidating them because you're trying to make them believe that what they how they feel and what they know to be true is not actually the case mm. so with that in terms of like faith black men it's just like you're saying you're a faithful black man but we know that you cheated or you mistreated like you weren't loyal but then it's like, oh, but faithful doesn't only mean that. Faithful means I'm faithful to the grind, faithful to this. And it's like, maybe you was ambitious. Maybe you was determined. Faithful? Don't know so if that's much. the right term. Yeah. Is it a cop-out, though? You know, I think that's my biggest thing. It's just faithful black men and black men don't cheat. It's like a cop-out or an excuse to just I mean, give- everybody, okay, not everybody cheats, but cheating is gender neutral, right? Like, it's not yeah. like, oh, black men cheat. Like I think the problem was just like, Okay, if you cheat, just shh, be quiet. Like, hold it down. It's, it's like you don't gotta, you don't gotta talk about it. You saying like, are you the way in which it's waved around? If it's like, like it's a slogan of black men don't cheat, you are encouraging black men that do cheat to just say they don't cheat because it's a trend. Like you're not holding men responsible or accountable for their actions. So I think that's the thing. I got co-opted by a lot of people too. It's like, okay, black men don't, black men are faithful, black men don't cheat. Okay, shout out to the ones that don't cheat, that are faithful, that are saying it. But if you are a known cheater, 
that cannot be reserved for you. Like, there's no, no disrespect, but it's just like, you in a statement do not go together. <laughs> so I think that's, the, I think exactly. that was the problem. And we can't, and we can't support that. And then even still off that, right? Like, I guess people are like, oh, but you know, the, the retort to that was like, but black women cheat too. But it's like, you don't see them making a whole coalition about trying to prove their, their faithfulness necessarily. And I think also it's like, you were saying black women are treated differently when they do cheat. Cause they, if they cheat, like look at Kaylani, like when they thought shorty cheated, they was mm-hmm. on her head and her calm, like you know what I'm saying? Like just doing the most. But when offset when offset cheated on Cardi, everyone was like, Cardi, take him back, take him back, take him back. You know what I'm saying? But like you said, is there the same pressure or the same um response to if a black woman was to cheat on a black man, how does that work out? I feel like the first time I seen a black woman cheat on a black man, maybe that's memorable to me, is oh. an all American. <laughs> That situation got real That's messy, a good show. but That's one it's of my like favorites. you know what I'm saying. Like, what what do we think about that? Like, do we no. see it the same way I mean, if a black woman cheats on a again? Black I feel man? like the main conversation that comes from it is like black women when they cheat, it's like a deeper thing than just a sexual thing, versus when black men or just men in general cheat, it's more of like you know they need a fix or something like that. So black men take it more personal because they know that that their wife or their girlfriend or whatever had to be invested in that other person to cross that boundary type thing and while that may be true again it also leads to the question of do black men have more sorry it's also like let's put that that's not always true because some girls be moving out here like you know what i'm saying like they they listen they they could give a dude a run for his money like they don't have to be like i think we have to all start painting yeah. black women always be like oh they so is it an emotion so simply like nah like some of them could yeah play play the game just just as well or even better you know what i'm saying so yeah and the same way that sometimes men when they cheat they may be having an emotional tie to someone else or feel like this woman is you know providing them with the emotional support in which they didn't weren't receiving and they were attracted to that it's not always like oh i need had a fix and this person there was a lustful situation it's not always that way and i feel like we tend to just portray it that way all the time which isn't fair to either side. All right, Elson, I think we've been bouncing around this question for this whole entire podcast. And I think I want to know, the people want to know, I think you want to answer. How are you or how should black men hold one another accountable? Because I think that is the root of a lot of of Ooh. the conversations we Ooh. have been talking about. You you was waiting you was waiting to give me with this one, huh? That was that was I not was, a, I was really was, trying to find a good time. That was not was on, no. that was not on the agenda. You just you that was for I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nah. So, okay. I think it it's not difficult. I think it's really like when things happen, we got to start calling them out like and it starts with really small things and like naming them like, "Yo, you know, if you're using the B word, like, hey, bro, mm. find, like, nah, don't use that word, but like, you don't have to say that. And I think it's like, like, that's like the small, smallest part, right? But I think in terms of like when people are expressing their relationships and like the mistreatment, just pointing that out, like, hey, bro, how you're moving about the situation is not okay. Like, I get that you might feel these ways, but that's not cool. Or, like, that's not the way to go about it. Again, I read, so I've been reading uh, The World to Change by Bell Hooks. I think also, too, it's like a deeper foundational part on my on my aspect is like i'm on the surface i'm like yeah i'm holding them accountable to do the work but i think i'm also holding mm. all like black men myself included like yo we have to do that deeper emotional work 
like your ability to treat someone like this comes from somewhere deep within yourself that you have not resolved yet. Mm-hmm. So you have Do to you find what that like, is. Like, now you good. Sorry to no, interrupt. No, no. What's the question? My question was going to be, how are black men responsive to the ways in which you're holding them accountable? I would say a, a pretty good job. I think it really comes from a lot of reflection. It's like, bro. And I think the also thing is like, we live in a world where it's, everything is publicized, but it's like, I just remind them like, this is not for anybody else. This is for you. You want to be a better person. You want to treat women better. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not just about, tre- it's not about just like, oh, I'm going to cheat the women like you were saying, better in my relationship. Like, even when you said, like, your friends hang you up, like, light skin, light skin, light skin. It's like, you have to stop and think about, like, okay, I'm chasing other someone romantically, but how does that make my friend feel, who also is a black woman? Like, you have to stop and think about those things. So I think... Ooh, you better say that, Elson. In terms Can of you that, say that... That was... Mm, y'all, did y'all pick up on that gym? Because I think that gym... No, that, stop. Mm, okay, keep going. Keep going. I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay, okay. You know what? Okay, okay. You know what? You know what? You, you want to know a real gym? <laughs> What I, what, I, what I push what I push for is that making sure you use your platform to also like I won't say I want to say surrender but making sure that your platform is their platform as well like they have they feel comfortable coming to your platform so I made sure to co-program with black women like I co-programmed with a black woman out of the PhD department of political science at UCLA made sure to program with um, a partner at the you say ash center which is our health center about not just talking about even about sometimes we get caught up in like sex like what about intimacy like how do you be intimate like it's one thing to have a relationship with a black woman or another person but how are you in relationship like what does it mean to be Mm. in relationship with somebody else particularly black woman you know what i'm saying so i feel like you know it's not always about sex like touching love languages all those different parts about what does it mean to appreciate someone and to show and demonstrate that appreciation? So I feel like for me, if I can say anything to like black men, it's like, yo, educate yourselves, be creative. You know what I'm saying? Like be creative in the ways that you go about these things and really look for the nuance in these situations. Like we, we, we be on the surface with it, but try to go a little bit deeper to think beyond just these like very service level topics. Outside of that too, I'm not going to sit here and paint myself as like a savior. Like, oh, I'm just like, not like I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's been times where I just been tired. Like, bro, you're not gonna get it. And sometimes, like, I just be like, that's not my business. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that has nothing to do with me. Although I may know it to be wrong, and I'm like, I would I wouldn't do that. Though it might not be an easy conversation. Though you might feel taxed. Though you might not want to have it. You might be that person to get through to that person. So you should have that. I think that's something that I'm looking at now. Like, ah, all right, bro. Nope. When you see something that's not right, you gotta speak up. You gotta say something. Because if you don't, who's going to do it? And if, and if you don't, don't even think about who's going to do it because then it don't even matter. If you're not going to do it, it don't matter. Don't, don't worry about who's going to do it because, you know what I'm saying? Like, why don't you be, a, be that person? So that's the kind of things that I think about. And, it, and it's not easy. Like, my brother said something the other day. He was in his group chat. And this conversation is really spanning generations of yeah. black men. Or it should be spanning generations of black men. Like, to really think about the ways in which they are involved in, like, massaging war. Because he was talking to his friends. It's like, oh, it's like my mom never said nothing about it and it's like okay that doesn't mean anything like that just means your mom dealt with misogyny <laughs> like you know what I'm saying like just because your mom didn't ever speak up that does not mean that because she's a woman she didn't say anything that it's like oh yeah you was always in the clear like no you know what I'm saying so hopefully that was like you know some understanding some reasons about how I do it I'm like I'm getting I'm trying to get better every day trying to hold myself accountable hold other people accountable 
and having those having those hard conversations. I think that was a great response, and I think it was a timely response that um, is a good way to kind of round things out on top of, I guess, even talking about the concept of listening and communicating, because I think listening goes into receiving oh, accountability yeah you know? just listen to black women bro listen, like listen like when they speak listen no no for real when they speak really just listen bro like that's that could, that can help out a lot like you just listen but and see where you're coming from we also need to acknowledge like how to listen because i think i thought i was an active listener but i was not and i still am working on being a better listener every day <laughs> But I want to give some tips that someone taught me, and it was more of listen, hear what they're saying, acknowledge what they're saying. Don't just go straight into how you can connect the dots for yourself and prove why you understand where they're coming from. It's more of I hear you and actually allow yourself to hear them. Like, stop thinking about how you can provide a solution provide other perspective just listen when you fully can listen not just to one piece or one trigger word that can take you somewhere else hear what they're fully saying acknowledge where their tone is coming from is it coming at you or is there other things that they are experiencing that's led them to this space and you just happen to be the person to receive it i think it's more about taking the personal out of what is being said you know like not taking things personal hearing people fully getting to the root of what they're saying, acknowledging their feelings, and then asking them how they want to proceed is a the better way to go about listening and really like, you know, dismantling the lack of communication that happens within the black community because everyone wants to prove why they're right. Well, right now it's not about why you're right. It's why it's about what they're experiencing. No, I, I agree with that. I think even when I know it's just like, Listening is an active skill, and I had to realize that I do that. I was doing it passively. Like, someone called me out about it, like, you think you're a good communicator, but you're not. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, it's like, of course, like, cool. It's clear. You can articulate yourself well. You speak well. So I realized I was <laughs> expressing, but communication has two parts to it. You, got, you speak and you listen, and you listen actively. Like, you're engaged in the listening part. Sometimes we just speak, and once we get everything off our chest, we don't care about what the person says. Or when we listen to them, we're listening for the holes in their story, their logic to just come right back at them. And it's like, that's not really how you communicate. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I, and I, and I think even to take it a step further, even the ways that you were talking about, the ways in which we communicate or speak or express ourselves, we have to also take into consideration, not necessarily how the person's going to hear us, but no, what are we trying to get out of this? Because that can inform the way we go about it. And I'm, don't, I'm not using this as, please, no one use this as, evidence or anything to support like you know tone policing black women like this is not what i'm talking about what i'm saying is like sometimes you take into consideration how the other person feels and knowing the ways in which they engage so you can not cater to them but it helps because it's like being right overrated like what's the point of just doing that you have to like teach people in a way everyone has different learning styles you have to express and teach people in ways that are suitable for them to learn you know what I'm saying? But then that goes to, again, if you aren't listening and being an active listener and it, recognizing the ways in which other people need to be taught, then you're going to be beating a dead horse. And, that, and, that, and that, that's what happens. And then, and then you stretch yourself out and it's like, no, you got to come at it from a different angle. You can't just be like, I want to say this. It's like, okay, but is there a bet? Like, 
it's different to be right than to be effective. Like that might have been the right way to it's say it. It's just gonna break through. Right. It's just gonna be a breakthrough. And this is what thing. we're trying to do. Like it's one thing to be right, but how do we have more effective conversations? Because like if it doesn't lead to the goal that you were trying to do, then like what was the purpose? So you can feel good about yourself because you've like got it. Like nah, like that's a part of communication. Really working to be like, okay, what's the best way that I can get across to this person? What's the best way that I can do this? So the person understands. Now, if you do, if you're really doing the mm-hmm. best you can, then I don't know what to tell you for that person. <laughs> but to make sure that you're not just being like, okay, I'm going to just dump all this stuff on yeah. you, and it's up to you <laughs> to kind of figure that out about how to navigate it. Like, no, this is like a, a partnership where you got to work. Whether it be like friendships, relationships, you know, between your mom and your dad, family members, like that part of communication is so key, and it's really an active role. Like everyone has to have all hands on deck when communication is trying to foster understanding ending out our episode by talking about listening i think is the best way to wrap up everything that we were saying of the only way in which we can move forward as a collective and understanding is learning how to be an active listener so while that's all wrapped up and complete with a beautiful bow on top okay so you know what time it is it is time for elson's music book and whatever else he wants to share segment all right, thank you for the introduction. Since we done talked about doing the, you know, the emotional work, I think it would only be right that I highlight Bell Hooks, a feminist scholar and thinker, and her book, All About Love. I read that book, and it really just taught me, like, yo, you don't know that much about love. And I think it's really important for us to have, like, a working definition of love and one that is expansive. So it's not just about, oh, I love you, or, you know, conventional ways and ways in which we have to be accountable to really check ourselves like, okay, I say I love this person, but I'm doing this. And love looks differently. So if y'all get the chance, make sure you cop that book. Yeah, Elston actually introduced me to the book. And Did I really? I've been loving oh, wow. it. Yeah. Like literally back in like January. So definitely finally got around to reading it. And it's really been instrumental in my life i also want to give a little book really quick or slash audiobook it's called the power of vulnerability by Brene brown and it is so amazing about helping it helped me a lot in understanding like how i am not showing up for different people because of my lack of vulnerability or my um fear of vulnerability so definitely yeah, recommend that one as well so next, we're going to do another segment that we love, which is Black Businesses. So Black-owned businesses. Woo! Woo! You dig? <laughs> this week, I wanted to shout out, you know, being from the Bay Area. <laughs> I love being here. I'm here actually currently right now. And I actually came across a Black-owned cafe called The Grind Cafe in Vallejo, California. And it is super cute. It is being run by a black couple and it's just really nice to see that we are you know creating our own spaces for us and um for our community so if you're in vallejo definitely check them out i bet and you already know i reside from the bk but um if you're in brooklyn make sure to check out hill house hill house is a wellness concept and cafe i've been a couple times it's a really dope experience they have daily yoga meditation classes workshops private sessions and one of the founders, the creators, is a black man who actually wanted to create a space where black men felt comfortable to be able to enter spaces and do the emotional work and work on themselves holistically. So if you get a chance to check it out, make sure you follow them, Instagram, and yeah, make sure you pull up. And tell your friends to pull up. <laughs> I see what you did there. 
But yeah, man, listen, we don't yes. kept y'all for a long time. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. We love y'all now and always. Yes, forever. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, you know, sharing. It. We definitely want to hear your thoughts on this episode because we feel like there's so much that could have been said as That's well. Facts. But yeah, stay tuned to next week to see what we got for y'all. All right, y'all. Peace. Bye.